From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to episode 228 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, executive producer, and good friend Craig Williams. So, Craig, how are you today? Oh, I'm just fine. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, when this show is released, you are going to be exploring the wilds of California. Now, I, I've heard, uh, an old Indian guide once said that, you know, to keep mountain lions away, you know, you, you have to clack two sticks together. So, so I hope you remember to do that when you're out and about. I, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going that far into the wilderness. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a camping person. I uh, I've been joking with Kylie a lot that like we are. She grew up doing a lot of camping, and I I really didn't like. I, I did little trips. Like I was a uh, tag along for my mom was my sister's girl scout leader so like i would have to come for a couple days and do the camping thing and you know i camped with friends here and there but never like never intense i'm like so we're doing it like the we're not glamping but we're doing it whatever the way is where it's like okay you go and you explore during the day but then you go back to a hotel at night and Mm -hmm. i think that's the uh, that's the right way to explore the wilderness for me i'm not against it but uh it's also there there's so much that <laughs> is involved in uh spending time in in like some of the parks especially in California it's like i'm not uh, it's a little too intense for me i'll just i'll drive in for the day see all the beautiful stuff if there's stars that i want to see at night you know i'll stay at night but i, I need a hotel i need a comfy bed uh-huh. We did. A, I've done a lot of camping in my life. Um, when, when I was a boy, I was in Boy Scouts. And then Carol and I, we did a lot of camping with the kids. And we started out tent camping and then moved up to a pop-up trailer. And then finally, Carol had enough of that. And we, uh, then we, we would rent a cabin. And then, um, and then I was a scoutmaster. And so, you know, we did backpacking and things like that, went to high adventure camps and stuff. But, um, we were a really active troop. And so, um, so we did a lot of yeah. camping. And I, I was never in, I was in like Cub Scouts, but I didn't, I just didn't go into Boy Scouts. I was like, I, I, spent more of my time playing hockey and <laughs> and other sports that it's like that ended up taking most of my time that I never I never really continued on with that but uh yeah it just it was one of those things we didn't we also we didn't really have any big camping spots where I grew up at least like not that we're like I I don't want to say we didn't have a lot that were super exciting, I guess, in Western Pennsylvania. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like 
it wasn't like California and having all those national parks around and being able to travel a couple states over and having all these other parks around too. We, we just didn't really have that as much. So it was never, it was never a big thing. And my family was very into the beach and obviously Disney. So just, it was, it was never my thing. And, you know, I, I, I could see myself one day having like a, a little, uh, a little vacation trailer and, and taking that out and camping with it. But, I'm I'm not there yet. That's that's years <laughs> down the way. One of my my retirement plans was that I was going to um, buy an RV, not a huge one, not one of those boats, but um, one that was would be comfortable for for myself and sort of drive around and go to parks and even you know drive to see my son and his family who live in Pennsylvania and, uh, and drive to Marceline and all that. But now that the price of gas is so expensive, I thought told my financial planner and I met with him last week, I said, let's put the RV pl- plan on hold <laughs> as part of my uh, retirement. And, and yeah. we'll, we'll see if I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I, I, you know, those RVs get very expensive too. The, yeah. the nicer they are in the inside. Like I'd be fine. The The one thing that I was like, I'd seriously think about it if, if Kylie and I decide, you know, we're never having a family or anything. I would consider, uh, how they now convert like the, the big Mercedes vans and stuff into mm-hmm. like little mini RVs in that way too. Like I, I would consider that, but my dream would be to like one day have like an Airstream trailer that i could take those all the different those are parts. nice my sister and her family had those for years and actually when they retired they retired to live in one and they they tricked it out i mean it was gorgeous so yeah, they're um, just so iconic yeah like that you see that yes yeah, see that chrome and it's like yeah that's that's an airstream mm-hmm. so Maybe maybe one day. Who knows? Maybe I won't do it at all, and I'll just be a hotel person forever. That'd be fine. Yeah. See, I can't have a trailer because I <laughs> – this is terrible. I cannot when, – when we would drive that pop-up, I was so uncoordinated. Backing that thing up in order to get it in the spot, you know, in oh, the – the, yeah. Oh, I, because it goes against all logic. Yeah, <laughs> the way you have to turn. So that's why I thought it has to be an RV. And like I said, I don't need a big one for myself. Well, I have to be able to put the cats in it. And um, if I'm traveling for any length of time, but it, so, so I sort of know what I want already. And I watch a lot of RV videos and stuff, but um, uh, yeah, but, but things have to get a little back, get saner in prices before oh. I um, even consider it now. For sure. I mean, I I just dashed all my dreams at a, a an airstream trailer, looking at the prices of those. I yeah. I can't believe that you can literally buy a house for many oh, places for the same Air, price. Airstreams have always been expensive. I mean, they are they're like the Mercedes of of motorhomes, <laughs> but they are so well built. Yeah. I mean, they really are. So, uh, well, one day. Well, we're going to go from land boats to uh, 
<laughs> sea sea boats now. Sea boats. Yeah. Great transition. Yeah. Ocean boats. <laughs> if you listen to the live Disunplugged podcast in our recent podcast, Cruise 7.0, you heard me say that I'd read a book on the history of Disney Cruise Lines. And the book I read was Hidden Treasures of the Disney Cruise Lines Nautical Notes, Knowledge, and Nonsense by Disney historian and author Jim Corcus. Well, back in episodes 224 and 225, we began a conversation about Jim's books and events that led up to the creation of the Disney Cruise Lines. We are going to conclude our conversation with Jim in this episode. So if you haven't listened to our previous episodes with Jim, you might want to pause and listen to the beginning of our conversations with him. Now let's continue our voyage of discovery with Jim Corcus author of The Hidden Treasures of the Disney Cruise Line. Let's talk about the Disney fantasy. What's, what's, what can you tell us about that one? <laughs> well, uh, uh, of course, its atrium uh, statue is uh, Mademoiselle uh, Minnie. And people go, mm-hmm. I, I never saw a cartoon with Mademoiselle Minnie and, and, and all of that. Uh, because it's supposed to hark back to the time when people took... Um, uh, transatlantic cruises uh, going from uh, New York to France, right? The Mademoiselle. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something, too. You know, I don't depend on other sources, not even Disney <laughs> sources. Um, you know, I, I've got to experience it right there myself, because if you look at a description of the statue, it, it says, um, yeah, Minnie is, is standing there with her um, uh, steamer luggage. No, she's not. She's standing there with her round hat box, you know, because, again, hats were something that were very popular in France. That's why you've got uh, the chapeau on, on uh, uh, Town Square in, on Main Street uh, here in the Magic uh, Kingdom. So you've got to take a look at it, and and you've also got to realize that Imagineers make mistakes. Uh, I don't know why, but they do. And uh, uh, for instance, uh, they get uh, uh, for Misadventure Falls, which has Mary Oceaneer, they give the parrot a different name than the the parrot on the ship. Uh, it, uh, on the um, uh, a board underneath the uh, tr- uh, train station at Magic Kingdom where they're listing trains that are uh, leaving and are delayed and arriving, you know, and one of them is Grizzly uh, Gulch, which, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is a reference to um, Ward Kimball's backyard uh, uh, train. They also have one Medfield. And Medfield, of course, is is the college where Dexter Riley went, you know, in, in the computer wore tennis mm-hmm. shoes and, 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 you know, two other films. And then Departing is the one uh, uh, Rutledge. And, and you read, you know, websites and you read Disney books and they go, and yes, Rutledge was uh, the rival of Medfield. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Watch the movie. <laughs> it's Rutland. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, so, yeah. so uh, again, uh, 
don't trust anything. Not even my book. My book is not complete and it's not definitive. Don't even don't even trust uh, you know uh, uh, my book there. But um, you know, it, go and check it out for yourself. Go find the sources. If you if you're going to talk about a Disney animated film, watch the Disney animated film. Yeah. And and one of the reasons I bring this up is because the cruise line does this uh, uh, too. Uh, the O'Gill's Pub on um, uh, Disney Magic and also on um, Disney Fantasy. Uh, O'Gill's Pub, they, ha- they have this big plaque that says, if you watched, uh, you know, the, the Disney film, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, you know, with leprechauns, one of the leprechauns, you know, fell in the water and he was rescued by a fish. And uh, uh, he gave the fish one wish and that wish was to have a pub where he could drink with, you know, uh, all of his friends, you know, cause you're, you're south to the gills, right? Oh, gills. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like that in the film no. ever. And, and, no, and in fact, it, it's not in any of the stories that, uh, Darby tells in the film. And it's not in any, if you go back to the original source materials, it's not in any of those. So, bah, bah humbug. Give me my oh, old man cane. Let me wave this in the air. Let me go beat up nope. some Imagineers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, one of the things I told our listeners is that um, on that podcast is that our ships are, this, these ships are floating museums. All over the place, there's examples of animation art, tributes mm-hmm. to Walt and Roy, mementos related to the ships. And I like to spend time exploring the ships, looking for all that. And in your book, you, you have a lot of those details in here. Right. And, 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 and again, I, I do that because Disney won't release that information. And uh, I, I said, joy of discovery, bah humbug. And one of the Imagineers told me, no, they do that so they're not held accountable. So if something isn't available or something isn't shown or they have to take out something or whatever, they're not held accountable for that. But, but, but yes, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, the la- last sailing I went on, I, I had an inside cabin and I had magic portholes. And my gosh, are, are, are those uh, amazing because they've set up cameras on every side of the ship so the side of the ship that you're on you're looking out you're seeing the same ocean you're seeing the exact same scene the exact same daylight or night that the people in in the more expensive cabins are seeing but every 15 minutes something passes by the the porthole you know it it, it could be aladdin jasmine flying on on a on a magic uh, carpet you know it it, uh, uh, it, it could be uh, Carl Fredrickson you know uh, being carried aloft by balloons and drops his uh, uh, cane you know it could be Flit the, mm-hmm. the hummingbird from Pocahontas you know uh, could be uh, Goofy you know uh, sailing across the waves on a, on a, on a surfboard you know th- there's Dozens and dozens, and 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 we talked about enchanted art. Enchanted art, and and I think the Disney Cruise Lines do excellent in in their selection 
uh, of artwork. There are posters uh, from Disney films, a lot of them um, uh, nautical-oriented. There, there's uh, cells. Uh, there's uh, concept art, uh, all of that. Um, there, there are, well, on the Disney Dream alone, there are over uh, 200 pieces of artwork, you know, and and I, I tried to document as much as I could, but, you know, there's an awful lot of decks, and, and you're going from there four to are. aft. I, not only four to aft, but four to aft on both sides of that deck, you know, <laughs> and um, uh, about two dozen of them are, are what are called enchanted art. Enchanted art means that it's an, uh, an LED screen. And if you stand in front of it long enough, suddenly it, it springs to life. Some, something happens. A, a, a bird flies or, uh, you know, a, a character comes in or, or, or whatever. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you this right now. Um, there are three variations, three different variations for each piece of art that moves. So if you see something, don't go, oh, I, I, I saw Bambi playing with the, with the butterfly. Mm-hmm. Nope. Uh, move away and then move back, and, and you'll see, oh, my gosh, a, a flower, the skunk, has pumped, uh, popped up out of the uh, uh, foliage, uh, foliage uh, there. And, you know, it, it's just great. Look for... Um, and Imagineers get a great kick out of this, is that people who first discover it and don't know what's going on will then spend five, ten minutes standing in front of a picture, maybe the picture next to it, and nothing is happening <laughs> at all. Uh, so, so look a- a- around the frame. Usually you'll find a little tiny white dot that that's, uh, uh, captures facial recognition that something is, someone is looking at them for an extended uh, a period of time and it'll spring to, to life. Now, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to buy my book, shame on you because I'm an orphan <laughs> and, and this is how I earn my living. But uh, if, if you don't want to uh, uh, spend time trying to search for the different ones, uh, sign up for the midship uh, detective agency uh, because it lists 13 of those locations, and you can find those locations because in front of the artwork, down on the floor, is this uh, uh, sort of brass circle with a uh, magnifying glass in it. And and if you use the midship detective agency card, you'll see something entirely different. But if you just stand there, you, you'll see the um, uh, the the three. You know, at, at some of my favorite photos because we were talking about Walt. Um, are uh, outside the balcony entrances to the Walt Disney Theater. You know, they have a picture of Walt sitting at a, a drawing board, but the drawing board is empty. But if you stand there long enough, suddenly it springs to life and he sketches uh, a, a scene from Plain Crazy. And then if you wait for the second variation, you got Gallop and Gaucho. And the third variation, Steamboat Willie. You know, now I, I asked, you know, why did you select just 13 uh, enchanted art paintings for the midship detective agency. Is that because you wanted to keep it down, you know, to about a, a half hour, 40 minutes to, to find these? And they said, well, no, because kids do this. 
And some of these things are out of kids' area. Uh, so, for instance, in the Skyline nightclub, there's a poster on the wall opposite the bar that uh, features uh, an international uh, image. And if you stand in front of it long enough, it'll change. Mm-hmm. You know, the Italian poster has three Vespa scooters that will suddenly roar to life, you know. Uh, and uh, so that, but again, the, the same thing happens that there is some enchanted art that is only available for kids. And so the only time you can see this one is uh, on the first day open house of the Oceaneers Club when you board. If you go towards the back, the very back, there's a portrait of Mr. Gibbs. Mr. Gibbs was the uh, uh, first mate of Captain Jack Sparrow. And if you stand in front of that, he's got multiple things uh, uh, to, to say, you know, are a pirate's life for me and you and you <laughs> and you and uh, remember the pirate's code, no swimming without your floaties, you know, and, and I, I couldn't spend enough time to, to capture, you know, all of those uh, there, you know, I, and I don't think, in, in fact, the interesting thing is, is uh, I went into Vanellope Suites because I wanted to um, get all of the uh, phrases that Sourball Bill says. Sourball Bill is a character from Wreck-It Ralph, and there's a gumball uh, machine there. And every now and then, his head will pop up, you know, uh, out out of the uh, uh, gumballs and say something like, no, I'm not a cough drop, you know? Yeah. I went uh, in and, there and, because of your book, just to see him. <laughs> and, and, and so I was standing there trying to get all of these down, and the people behind the counter said, there have been people who've tried to do that, and they give up. They said, you're <laughs> the only one who's stuck around, but you're missing some of the ones that he says. Uh, that's funny. And it's like, oh, my. And, 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 and again, so you can be on a Disney cruise ship multiple times and have, uh, you know, different experiences all all of the time absolutely absolutely you know it 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 it, it, and and so people often ask me you know is it worth it you know because because it it is pricey it's twice the twice the cost of you know another cruise line and i said for me it was worth it i got value because walt disney never sold price he always sold value. He said, if you sell price, somebody can always undercut you. But people need to feel... It, well, I, I, I was talking with some friends uh, uh, th- uh, this weekend, and I said, you know, when I was growing up, comic books were a dime. Mm-hmm. And not only could I get a dime's value out of that comic book, I got more than a dime's value out of that comic book. Today, comic books sell for five to six bucks. That's for 32 pages. And I cannot get five to six dollars worth of value out of a 32-page comic book, especially when that money uh, can get me a uh, meal at a fast food restaurant, (laughs) you know, or can can get me a gallon of gas, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, Walt was very smart, you know, sell value. And, uh, so for me, 
yes, a, a huge value. And and now we've got, as you said earlier, we've got the Disney Wish that just docked at uh, Cape Canaveral. It's it's going to be the new home. It's going to take off uh, uh, in. Um, uh, uh, July uh, for its maiden voyage. I wonder if Captain Tom Forberg is going to be the captain because he was the captain on the maiden voyage of all the four previous ships. I also wonder who's going to be the godmother because that hasn't been uh, announced yet. And what is amazing to me is that it's longer than the uh, dream and the fantasy. It's called the Triton class. And Supposedly, they're building two more of the, these ships, but even though it is longer, they haven't added in more rooms. So that means there's either more space in the cabins or they've added um, more activity uh, uh, area. I, I, I see that there's going to be a Marvel dining experience. I, I see there's going to be a Star Wars bar just for adults, mm-hmm. you know, it it. Yeah. it, it it, it's like Disney always keeps topping itself. Yeah, there's the, the one restaurant's a theater in the round with the Frozen show. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so it's amazing. I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to it. So. And, and 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 I don't quite know what the decoration, what the the theme is uh, uh, going to be because uh, you know the uh, other ships are either Art Deco or. Uh, uh, Art Nouveau, Art, Art Deco is, um, you know, sharp uh, uh, corners, angular, that type of thing. Uh, Art Nouveau is um, uh, rounded, uh, uh, all of that. So Disney Magic is Art Deco, but Disney uh, uh, Wonder is Art Nouveau. Uh, Disney Dream is uh, uh, Art Deco, but... Um, Disney Fantasy is uh, Art Nouveau, and uh, you know. And when you st- stand in the atrium and and take a look, you know, you've got that magnificent staircase. And people often don't look closely at at that uh, uh, those bronze friezes around around the top uh, uh, that circle the atrium. You know, uh, 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 at at by the top of the uh, staircase there. Because on the Disney Magic and um, uh, the Disney Dream, uh, those are uh, the Disney characters uh, enjoying things that uh, cruise ship passengers uh, could enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Castaway Key dressing up as pirates. You, you know, Huey doing Louis dressed up, all of that. But on the other two ships, the Bronze Freezes have the Disney characters doing things that the crew on the ship would do. So my, my gosh, those of you who want to see everything, it's going to drive you crazy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) And, 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 And again, one of the reasons I wrote my book is to give you a head start on some of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then as a result, you may uh, uh, discover some other things on your own, and 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 we don't even know uh, what is the status of uh, Lighthouse Point. Well, I you was going to ask you, yeah, what do you think? Because is Joe Rody gone now? Do you think Joe Rody Joe Rody is gone? And and again, he wanted to make Lighthouse Point um, different than Castaway Key. Castaway Key has a 
elaborate backstory and, uh, uh, you know, about the castaways and all this, uh, uh, Lighthouse Point was going to uh, blend in uh, Bahamas culture. And in fact, they were bringing in artists and, and all of that, you know, to, to contribute to that. But they stopped construction on it in um, uh, late 2019. And I haven't heard about them gearing back up, you know. And, and even with the Disney Wish coming in, and I'm, I'm watching all the uh, uh, local newscasts, you know, where they're talking about uh, the Disney Wish. And yes, this is the first ship that has uh, uh, an attraction. You know, it, it's the water flume where you're actually going through a uh, Mickey Mouse cartoon. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's one up from uh, the aqueduct. You know, it's it's not just the uh, uh, the upper water flume uh, ride. Uh, along the sides, you see images from the Disney Channel Mickey Mouse cartoons. And speaking of which, on the ship, you know, you have one of the channels just dedicated to the Mickey Mouse cartoons. One of the cartoons they have is shipped out, which you can probably also find on YouTube. And it's Mickey and Minnie going on a cruise, and supposedly, oh well, they're parodying uh, the Disney Cruise Line. No, if you see what's on the cruise line, they're parodying the Royal Caribbean. <laughs> oh, that's funny. They're they're parodying all of the activities that you could have on the Royal Caribbean there. Mm-hmm. And and in fact, the the punchline gag is they end up on a uh, deserted island, and they're finally happy because there's just so much to do on the ship. You know, you, you don't have any time to rest and relax and, 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 and just enjoy it. Hmm. Well, my prediction for Lighthouse Point, I was telling my friends on the cruise this, is that the, with Bob Chapik's um, desire to insert IP and everything, I think we're going to see Moana and Lilo and Stitch and all these other types of characters. Little um, Mermaid? Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of that on this I, I, particular I think island. You're, you're, you're probably right, because, because I think one of the mistakes that Alani made was it didn't have more Disney characters. People come to Disney because they want the Disney characters. I, I worked at the Disney Institute, and one of the reasons I think it collapsed is on the uh, uh, dedication day for, because I was part of the opening team, on the dedication uh, day, the vice president of Disney Institute looked over to me and he said, this is the last time Mickey Mouse sets foot on this property. Because they wanted to make it, you know, very elite, Mm -hmm. very academic, you know. uh, But I said, look, people can go anywhere and take a topiary class. People can go anywhere and take a cooking class. They're coming here because they want to know how Disney does it. Exactly. You know, they they, they want Disney food. They want a Dis- They want to make a topiary Mickey Mouse. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's why the animation classes survived longer than so many of the other classes is because it was so Disney oriented. But it, but again, the mistake at the Disney Institute is they made the classrooms very small so they wanted an intimate size but even if you had a packed classroom it wasn't enough to cover the overhead the overhead of the instructor the material the assistant 
the clean up and set up, you know, and uh, boo on that because I, yeah. I felt I was going to spend the rest of my life at the Disney Institute and I would have lived happily ever after. <laughs> it was a wonderful concept, but mm-hmm. now I, I now I'm a. I, I'm a member of the Disney Vacation Club, and I own at Saratoga Springs. Mm-hmm. So, and I do think the, of the you very first there. Disney Vacation Club. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think Old Key West was, and then oh yeah, oh yes, yeah. you're right, Old Key yeah. West, and then Saratoga but, Springs. It was what uh, uh, Disney Institute converted to. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yes. They still have some of the buildings, I think, from it. Uh, so, do, do you enjoy my articles in the Disney Files magazine? I do very much so. So, anyway, but now the stories that Jim has shared with us are only a few of the ones. Believe it or not, there's a whole lot more in his books. You want to hear all the different backstories about Castaway Key? There are many um, as they evolved. Uh, you can read them in here. And, 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 uh, and if you want me to come to your house and tell them to you in person, <laughs> you have to feed me. <laughs> you have to have a buffet set up to feed me. That's right. And, and, and so, yes, th- this is Hidden Treasures of the Disney Cruise Line, uh-huh. and it's available on, on Amazon. And, um, yes, uh, as Michael has, has told you, there's so much more uh, in there. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I tried to get all of this down so that uh, so that people can use it. Because, you know, when you go on a cruise and you point out these things, not one of those people are going to say, did you hear that from Jim Corcus? They're going to say, oh, my gosh, you know everything about Disney. That's right. <laughs> and, and that's fine with me. And, you know, even if you're not planning on going on a cruise, or you think, you know, I'm never going to be able to afford to go on Disney Cruise Lines. There are other there's so much history in here that we, we only touched upon about Roy and Walt, about some of the projects that predates Disney Cruise Lines. That's fascinating. That whole Port of Long Beach, Port Disney mm-hmm. thing. I mean, so there's all kinds of things in here. So that even if you're not planning a cruise right now, I think you're still going to find the book really interesting. And I'm not aware of any other book, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, no. that covers this area of Disney history. And, and and that's why I write the books that I write, is because I w- I'm always hoping that somebody else will write it. And <laughs> since they don't, I figure I better you know, before I start forgetting all of these things, you know, yeah. and, and, and again, you can trust the fact that I went and I verified these things. I was physically there and I checked this out and I asked and I, uh, you know, I phoned and, and all of that, you know, mm-hmm. and I went to, I went to guest services more than I should so that I could try <laughs> to get as many of the different buttons you know, because they're constantly changing out buttons. You, you, those of you who collect pins, you think you're cra- you go crazy when they uh, take pins away and bring in new pins. Same thing happens with buttons, and the only place you can get them on the cruise ship at guest service. And Jim at- lets you know on every ship what buttons are available in his yes. book. <laughs> so that's and, how and, thorough and, and, this and book even, is. But again, you know, whenever you write something, immediately when it goes to print, it's already out of date because things change. And I have a brand new book that just came out called um, uh, Disneyland Historical Highlights, 1954 to 1972, The Walt and Roy Disney Years. 
And what it is, is a book that I always wanted to have, but nobody else would write it, so I did. And so each chapter of the book covers a year at Disneyland. And not only does it uh, cover things like, well, how much did the ticket cost? Who's the ambassador? Uh, who's the uh, narrator for Candlelight Processional? Uh, what is the attendance? Uh, all of that. It has other highlights, and every chapter has little short essays on things that debuted that year, including things that uh, I, I think most people never um, uh, realized, like... Um, uh, the car show at, at Disneyland where uh, the creator of Ratsink showed up with his, his car and he was so unimpressed with Mickey Mouse and all, he created the character of uh, Ratsink, which huh. is a, a twisted version of, of Mickey Mouse. So the, there's an entire two pages in the book de devoted to that uh, car show. And I talked with uh, Bob Gurr. I have been so fortunate in my life that I grew up out in California and I grew up at a time when some of these people were still alive and around and some of them still are. And I could talk to them and they could explain to me these things that nobody else has ever asked them. And for those of you, something I'm really excited about, so I hope you buy it coming out this fall is my book off to Neverland 70 years of Disney's Peter Pan. No, I'm looking because forward Disney's, to that one. Uh, Peter Pan, the film, celebrates its 70th anniversary in 2023. So I wanted the book out before then. It has an introduction uh, by uh, Margaret Carey, who is a live-action reference of uh, uh, Tinkerbell and a friend of mine. It has an afterword by June Foray, who was the voice of the Indian Squaw and a live-action reference for one of the mermaids. And you go... June Foray passed away a long time ago. Yes, I've been working on this book a long time. <laughs> I knew June Foray. She read what I had, and she loved it. And so, of course, there are a lot of chapters about um, the film itself, uh, but there are, are chapters on uh, the silent film version from Paramount that Walt bought so he could steal ideas from the film. Uh, there's... Uh, uh, stories about how Walt, as a, a kid in Marceline, played the role of Peter Pan in the school play, and uh, he was hoisted up by Roy on a uh, uh, on this uh, pulley system, and Walt was just so enthusiastic. Uh, Roy lost control, and Walt ended up in the laps of the people sitting in the front row. And there's a whole chapter of Walt's own words about what he feels about Peter Pan. Uh, there's a chapter about Disneyland's first flying Tinkerbells. Uh, there's a chapter about the Tinkerbell Peter Pan commercials, including listing every single one and who uh, animated them. Uh, there's chapters on Jake and the Neverland Pirates, uh, on um, the Return to Neverland straight to video film, uh, the Back to Neverland movie that had uh, Robin Williams in it as a lost boy. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a, a, a short chapter on the uh, live action Peter and Wendy, which is coming out this year. So off to Neverland, seventy years of Disney's Peter Pan. Uh, look look for it in September. You definitely and, will. Uh, 
That sounds terrific. (laughs) (laughs) And what was the name of the Disneyland book again? Uh, The name of the Disneyland book is Disneyland Historical Highlights, 1954 to 1972, the Walt and Roy Disney years. And it's called Historical Highlights because that's what it is. it's, It's the highlights, you know, because you can't cover everything. I covered as much as I could. I covered... Uh, the year that Annette dressed up as an Indian princess and was in the Indian village during the summer uh, for meet and greet and signing autographs. I, I, I covered <laughs> uh, I covered the the years where Clayton Moore dressed up as Lone Ranger and wa- was walking through Frontierland, and um, you know uh, all of the, all of these little things that you know so much was happening. Like in 1959, people say, oh, 1959, that's the monorail and the submarine voyage and, mm-hmm. and the Matterhorn bobsleds. There were a lot of other things happening. And, 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 I, and I cover uh, grad nights. I cover uh, Dixieland at Disneyland and, and who are all the performers each and every year. Um, it was exhausting. Yeah, and I do bet. this all for you. I do this Thank all you. for you. <laughs> well, that is, I'm reading that book right now, and it's terrific. And it's a great one to have for July 17th, the anniversary of Disneyland. Oh, that's true. So, that yeah, is, yeah, that's, that's a great true. Yeah, if you want uh, to get in the spirit. Well, Jim. I, and, 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 for, and for me, the best years of Disneyland were the Walt and Roy years. Yes, I, uh, you know, I, I I got to go there at the tail end of that, but I I still got to have that that taste, and and once Walt left the building, uh, and Roy left the building for that matter, uh, things got different. You know, it did, and you know, it's a lot harder to find information about what went on in the company, how attractions were built, and all that. Really, after Walt and Roy. Because everything was, uh, my theory is everything was done by committee. Nobody yeah. was writing things down. And you didn't have Walt, the personality, there, too. And, 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 and who knows? You've got to vote with your wallet. If enough people buy this Disneyland book, I might write a book about the Ron Miller years. Oh, that because would be I great. Because I knew Ron Miller, and I, I, I was a speaker several times up at the Disney Family Museum, I had lunch mm-hmm. with Ron up there, talked with him about a bunch of things. So that would be talk, great. Talk, talk about nobody writes about things. <laughs> you know, he, he uh, was Michael Eisner modest... wanted to bury uh, uh, Ron Miller. No, yeah. nothing Ron Miller did was any good. Ron mm-hmm. Miller was the one who put into production Splash, which Eisner took uh, credit for. Ron Miller was the one who did the first uh, Broadway production of a Disney play, Snow White. Uh, Ron Channel. Miller was the one who created the Disney Channel. Tokyo uh, Disney a, Sea started under him. I mean, Tokyo yes. Disneyland, Disneyland. Yes, started under him. There was all kinds of things he did, and yes. he was such a humble man. He never talked about it. No, and no. we always encouraged him at the museum. Let's have like a Ron Miller day, or let's do something. Mm-hmm. And he never would yeah, do he, it. I, right. No, I, 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 did, I did the same thing, and it's like, no, no, we don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Well, that would uh, be great. I'd totally support you on that. And he was a very uh, Michael, kind and gentle Michael, thank you so man. much for inviting me. And, <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 and again, yeah, I, I, just, I just run on and on. You know, you, you can say, 
here's Jim Corcus, and then two hours later, you get a chance <laughs> to catch your breath and ask it's another question. You're a delight to have on the show. We really appreciate it. I know our listeners are going to love um, hearing this and also reading your book, Hidden Treasures of the Disney Cruise Line, Nautical Notes, Knowledge, and Nonsense. We will look forward to having you back oh, to I, talk I, I about would, your I future projects. Because, yeah. because especially your audience is uh, uh, passionate uh, uh, about all the good things about Disney and are knowledgeable. So it's, they are. It's, always, it's always fun to share something that they may not know. And it's always fun to share stories so that they can share those stories with others. And, I, and I'm so happy that you were able to share some of those cruise line stories uh, with your friends uh, on, on your la- last cruise. Actually, that makes me extremely happy because if, if we don't, all of these things just disappear. Absolutely. I agree with you. Well, thank you so much. And we'll look forward to reading about Peter Pan and Disneyland and uh, and look forward to the next time you're on the show. And may all your Disney dreams come true. Thank you. And you have all of our best wishes, Jim. And now it's time for This Week in Disney History. All right, it is my turn this week. And it's my turn. <laughs> it is dear Lord. You know, I was doing really well at the beginning of the season, but no, okay. That, oh, go go ahead, Craig. Oh, it's <laughs> I fine. can wait. Hey, I know we're not gonna have a crossover one. I mean we never do. We know each other well enough not to pick no. up the ones that we do. Uh but you no, never I, know that I'm still waiting for the day because when, when I start going through all the different events, I keep thinking, okay, what would Craig do? And um, there's a couple, I think, there's there's been one or two you've chosen that you were so close. They, <laughs> I was so close to choosing them. But, so go ahead. What did you choose this week? Well, this week I chose one that's like kind of brief, but has had a huge impact not only on Disney, but many other movie studios out there and streaming services and that is on uh, july 25th of 2007 that's when uh, the walt disney company made their decision and their commitment that they would no longer allow to have smoking in their movies tv all of that and hmm. you know obviously that's uh we know the harmful effects of smoking and there have been plenty of disney movies in the past with characters smoking from you know pinocchio to even aladdin i mean it's 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 in there especially in the earlier stuff that was just part of culture and and norms back then and uh it's you know it with that too they tried to make sure that if if any of the past movies that had smoking involved like when they would do re-releases they would have a a little psa at the beginning of the the either like the dvd or uh you know or when it was getting to the menu screen talking about the harmful effects of smoking and and such but it really ended up being a thing where other studios adopted that same policy and said you know what yeah it's it's not like we're gonna get rid of it for you know pg-13 and up movies but you know we definitely when it comes to kids programming and and stuff that's family friendly 
will try to eliminate that when at all possible to to not send that message and you know it's it's extended to to marvel and star wars and with disney it's it's impact in a bigger way like to the point that cruella uh <laughs> the the live action one with Emma Stone, it's, you don't see Cruella smoking in that at all. And that's part of how iconic she was in the movie with her, her big long, uh, her big long filter and such with mm-hmm. her, her smoking. And so it's like, it has had such a massive impact on, on Disney and, and movies and television as a whole. So uh, a very, a very big day. Yeah, and what they even scrubbed from a couple of Walt Disney's official portraits where he was holding <laughs> cigarettes. They, in fact, if you go, it's on a couple of the Disney cruise ships, the Walt Disney Theater, they have the huge photo of Walt on the wall. If you look carefully at his fingers, you can see he was clearly holding a cigarette in them, but the cigarette's gone now. So he just has his fingers like in his little V. But if you look really carefully at the picture, you still see the smoke, the cigarette yeah. smoke. I, I know <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. That. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that was always what we laughed about, too, on uh, uh, in, in Steakhouse 55, the one portrait as soon as you're walking in. Like, it just was so blatantly edited out. Mm-hmm. it's like why? Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. It's you don't want to send the message, but. It also looks ridiculous. Maybe just choose different photos so you don't have mm-hmm. to edit it out. <laughs> Which they did on some of the other ships, too. So, but, but I did like how they handled it in Saving Mr. Banks, where they did show Walt, because that, that was a big part of Walt. Yeah. I mean, it's what killed him. Yeah. So you, you couldn't get away from it, but it made it clear, you know, he put out his cigarette. <laughs> When people came in and, and Walt was very big. He really didn't like, he wouldn't smoke in the park. Well, after he was sort of called on it, he didn't smoke in the parks and all that. And he wouldn't smoke in front of children and all that because he recognized it was a bad habit mm-hmm. and he was not going to, um, promote it, to, you know, um, cigarette smoking. But, um, but it had a hold on him yeah. that he could not kick. So. Many people, many yeah. people. So it wasn't yeah. wasn't just a him problem. And it's I I hope we live in a day off in the future where it just does not exist anymore. But who knows? That, Probably never. That, that would day. be good. Well, California is moving to that. I think we I think we banned nicotine. We banned those. Um, what are those e-cigarette things? Uh, Jules, we banned those. But I think something else just got banned. Didn't they ban nicotine or something? I don't know. Uh, uh, potentially, I I honestly yeah. in news. I don't I know. know. I don't keep I don't keep track of. <laughs> I don't smoke, so I don't keep track of all that stuff. Same, so, same. Yeah. Well, mine is big in Disneyland history because my favorite. Land of the Park opened on July 24th, 1966. And this is New Orleans Square. Opened at Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah, I knew you knew. (laughs) So there was a big ceremony presided over by Walt Disney. And he was accompanied by the real mayor of New Orleans, um, Victor Shiro. (laughs) This is where Walt, Walt, I thought, made it 
terribly rude comment during the ceremony where he talked about how it, it was just like New Orleans except cleaner. <laughs> and I thought, well, the mayor just smiled. Have you ever watched this ceremony? The mayor just smiles. He was very gracious. Um, anyway, what else do you do? <laughs> I know. But um, anyway, this is a three-acre site, the first new themed land added to Disneyland after its 1955 opening. It costs $18 million to build. All of Disneyland costs $17 million. So, uh, so, uh, and what, anyway, so it's, but it debuted without a single attraction because Pirates of the Caribbean was not ready to open. And so Walt wouldn't open it, even though he was under pressure by the board of directors to open it. And um, in fact, during the during the ceremony, the Imagineers and everyone were working down below ground on the attraction. And but it was filled with shops and restaurants uh, that were, um, you know, like the one of a kind shop, which was that wonderful antique store. Again, it never made money. It was a lost leader. But Walt wanted it there for the ambiance of it. And Lillian loved the shop and, and Lillian picked out a lot of the items that would be for sale in that shop. And they had the Mademoiselle's Mademoiselle Antoinette's Parfumerie. And where you could, um, and I don't know, they did this at Walt Disney World too, Craig. I don't know if they did it during your time, but you could go in and you could, uh, women or men, I suppose too, could, uh, mix like their own, um, perfumes and then they could keep the formula on file at, at the park so they could come in and have it recreated. You know, yeah, on I a remember he's telling me about this, but yeah. I never experienced it firsthand, though. Yeah, you know, I remember my cousins and my aunts going in there and doing that. And then, but the Pirates of the Caribbean won't open until 1967, uh, Haunted Mansion until uh, 1969. So this was just shops. And the Boo Bayou, I think, opened for one day and then closed because Walt felt that it would not, <laughs> unlike today, Walt felt it would, um, you would not have the full experience of the restaurant without the attraction um, running. Oh. And so he didn't want it open. So taking part in this state's dedication is the Firehouse 5 Plus 2, the Dixieland Bads Jazz Band that was led by animator um, Ward Kimball, and also Disneyland's ambassador at the time, Connie Swanson, was there. Now, a lot of um, – th- there's a lot of sites that say this was Walt's um, – Last public appearance in the park. It was not. He was in the park for other um, events. You know, he still had his last um, photo would be taken in the park months and months later. Um, you know, but m- maybe this was his last big one where he was dedicating something. But Walt was in the park um, after this. But I love New Orleans Square. I will sometimes spend hours there just um, when it's fully operating, <clears throat> listening to the different jazz bands and groups and pirate performers that are there. And I love watching the traffic on Rivers of America, although I wish 
the keelboats were back and the, uh, and, uh, you know, enjoying a beignet. I'm not as big a fan of the mint juleps as others. I've got to retry them. And, uh, on my birthday, I'm going to be at Disneyland, uh, uh, August 12th through 14th. If any of you are out there for my birthday and I, I am eating in Cafe Orleans on my birthday and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have a mint julep there. So I'm going to have to. So, and, uh, anyway, so, I just love it. I, I just love taking in the atmosphere. I always think of the story, you know, when Walt was sitting at, um, oh gosh, what's the name of it? Uh, the river. Uh, what's, what's the other restaurant there, Craig? Not Blue Bayou, the, um, River Bell Terrace. River Bell Terrace. Yeah. And Walt's sitting there and, uh, he's just looking out at the river and, um, I think he calls Dick Nunes or someone over and, you know, they're having their meeting and he says, you know, I've been thinking about this river and I think it was Dick and Marty and all that were there. And they, they were thinking Paul was going to say, there's too much going on here because the rafts were going, the keelboats were going, the canoes were going and the Mark Twain was going. And there was all this and they're all thinking this is a disaster waiting to happen. And, <laughs> and, and Walt just says, we need another big boat. <laughs> the river and so anyway and um uh, anyway and so i always think of that you know just walt sitting there looking out at the river and his island that he designed and all that and i don't know i just love new orleans square yeah. so anyway so that's that's my that is my uh disney history segment for the week it's a great one yeah yeah so, yep, you guys have your Liberty Square, which is funny because that's like one of my favorite areas at Magic Kingdom. And and it's New Orleans Square at Disneyland. So I like both of the unique areas that each of those parks have. Okay, Craig. Well, now we know the history of Disney Cruise Lines. Now, have you sailed on all the ships in the Disney Cruise Line fleet? I have. So I officially okay. have not not a lot though. So I've done the magic. I, I I can actually say after this final wish one, I uh, I now am finally platinum after all these years. But oh, great! Congratulations! Uh, thank you. They should have they should have gave me like a lanyard or something for it. They will on the next one. Uh, but no, I've done the the only two ships I've only done once each so far are. The Wonder, three ships, the Wonder, the Fantasy, and the Wish. But I'm doing the Wonder again in August with an Alaska sailing. So that's a very recent update that I don't even know if I told you about that yet, Michael. I don't believe so. (laughs) We have to talk about that as well. Uh, But yeah, so I'll get to go on the Wonder for my second time. But Fantasy and Wish only once each. The Dream, I think like five times now and then the magic i have been on there three times so i've i've most of my experiences with the the dream in the magic but i have done all of them that's wonderful i've i still have to sail on the wish and then i would have done the whole fleet i still say that they should uh Determine the castaway, castaway club by the number of nights you sailed because the very first cruise Carolyn I sailed on was a 17 day cruise 
on the magic to the Panama Canal. And that counts the same as a three-night cruise. And that's just not right. But anyway, but what can you do? So so now, do you have a favorite ship out of those now that you've sailed them all? Uh, The magic. Uh, mm-hmm. far and beyond you know that was the wonder was my first ship but i don't because it was alaska i don't think i had a chance to properly explore it enough uh and i, I didn't understand what sailing with disney was from that one it just that was my vessel to take me around alaska and then my very next cruise after that was on the magic when it came back from its reimagining and obviously that cruise, we had to, you know, cover every single part of that ship and experience all the rotational dining and get into it. And that's like, it clicked for me then like, okay, this is Disney Cruise Line. And then the very next one we did after that was in, uh, it, it was part of the birthplace of this show was on our 2014 podcast cruise. Mm-hmm. And, and on that one, that was again on the magic. And it was like, that's when I got even more time to see all the shows and really experience like how a, a normal day would go on DCL with having time for trivia and such. So I feel like all of the, the, the ways I discovered Disney Cruise Line was always on the magic. And so because of that, that was my, my favorite ship. But I, I will say the last time I was on the dream for just the, the recent podcast cruise, I was like, you know what? It's not a bad ship. It's actually, it's, it's, it's a nice ship. I prefer the dream to the fantasy, but something about the magic just, it, it it's nice. It's super, it's super relaxing being on that ship. Yeah. I love the magic, but, and that, of course, that was the one that I've been able to explore the most because we were on it so long and then we were on it for another cruise. I can't remember which one, but we, I could thoroughly, thoroughly explore it. And they pulled out all the stops. On, you know, the Panama Canal cruise, because it was new for them. And we got buttons and, you know, uh, pins and all that, although the way, and, and they'd already had one debacle with how they distributed the pins on the first cruise. So they, um, smoothed it out for us on this, on our cruise. And then, of course, they went right back on the third cruise to the way they'd done it on the first cruise. And it was a debacle again. And so I don't know what happened. And, um, anyway, and so, but, um, it, it, it was, so that's my favorite ship. It was our first one and the one that, yeah, I, I got to know the most. But, um, now are there features of the wish that really stand out for you that are really, really different from the other ships that make it really special? Hmm. I, I don't want to say, features necessarily that make it stand out uh i i think there's definitely interesting touches that have enhanced it like with the the quick service dining on uh you know deck 11 they definitely looked into saying how can we uh how can we raise the level on uh, the quality of the food that's served there so mm-hmm. i think that definitely was uh considered i it's very interesting for me to see how these restaurants, the 1923 Arendelle and Worlds of Marvel, how they were created knowing in mind, like, okay, these are going to be, uh, the two of the three are going to be distinctly dinner shows. And, uh, like, 
you know, obviously, uh, the wonder added the Tiana's restaurant and it was the magic that added, um, uh, Rapunzel's. And so it's not, it's not the first time a Disney ship has had spaces built for a show, but this one, it's like, it's almost as if they learned from those two on how to design a, a dinner show. And so they went in with that with, uh, with Arendelle. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but, Definitely, they made it so you could have better vantage points and be more engaged in the show than on the 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 other ships that have added that dining. And you know, with with uh, one of my issues I've always had with uh, the animators' palette is that there's just not enough screens around mm-hmm. to take part, and you're not part of Turtle Talk. There's usually one table that's involved, and everyone else is watching what's happening with that and with the worlds of marble marvel restaurant they they fix that by adding a ton more screens around so that way you know you're you're not interacting with the screens ever it's not a turtle talk scenario but you you can see the show without having to watch from afar and like listen you know very very uh intently with it it's you you can't you can't miss what's happening. So I think it's little things like that. And then, you know, recognizing that, you know, people go and watch the movies there, but it's very rare that I'd be on a ship where they really fill up. So make two small movie theaters that can, you know, kind of change what they're showing. So that way there's there's more options. Uh, having having Luna, the new all-purpose space, uh, have balcony seating as well as floor seating. So when they're doing game shows at night or even during the day, it's, it's, you can watch it more as a show rather than like every night that something was happening in evolution on our last podcast cruise. It felt like, you know, if you didn't get that seating down front in front of the stage, then you were standing all the way back behind the bar and you couldn't hear anything that was happening. So they kind of, they looked and tried to fix that. So, uh, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I was impressed with. Those little fixes where it's like, yeah, you know, we know, we know there's been a lot of norms on Disney Cruise Line over the years. And these are the tweaks we're going to make with it. But as for, you know, decor and a lot of the other stuff, that's, that's things I can't get into since I was on a free christening cruise preview and, just i'll say it over and over again the ship was not ready when we got on like it oh, okay. it it had it had enough to get going and the uh i i truly believe with like the maiden sailings and a lot of the first inaugural sailings it's it's finished enough that it's not going to detract from the guest experience but once you start noticing the little details like wires sticking out in places and uh you know signage that's not complete once you start noticing that stuff it really sticks out and you see it so in so many places but hmm. that stuff they're going to get it fixed and i don't I don't think a lot of people will notice it. There, there are some who are looking for that stuff and they will, but I, you know, it took me until the second day that I was on to really start like being like, Hey, that looks odd. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to sailing on it. Oh, what did they do with the stage in the atrium? Nothing. Because that's also something unique. Oh, okay. 
I, I think that's one where whatever is happening with that is coming in the future. I don't believe our christening cruise was fully staffed for uh, a lot of what they have planned, not only in that area, but with other entertainment around the ship. Uh, it was, I think we were in a light mode uh, for for that sailing and more will come with that. But the only thing we saw surrounding the stage was on the first day getting on the ship. They have the stage and then like on the, if the, if the grand hall is on four five and six, then on the sixth floor, there's a balcony. And on the first day when you're getting on the cruise, there was characters waving from the balcony down at you. But that was, that was it. The stage right now is, We'll have to watch for the maiden voyage and see if if something happens on there. So we know, but nothing for ours. Okay. Yeah, I'll look forward to seeing it. Maybe that's where they'll have the string quartet performing in the evenings or something. Who knows? So- I, I think it would be perfect for that. I think it would be perfect to do like little pop-up, um, like at Disneyland, the little Fantasyland Theater stage that does the the princess the retellings of oh princess fantasy fair thank you Mm -hmm. yes uh i Mm -hmm. i think i think something like that on that stage would just be absolutely perfect uh we didn't get a uh we had our sailing away party but for the christening cruise we didn't have our see you real soon so i'm sure that takes place on the stage and as much as I don't like the stage there, I will say it's brilliant because the one thing it opened it up for is that there was a couple like, uh, light lighting moments that happened in the grand hall and those surrounded the chandelier. And so what was able to happen was all of the stairways were able to fill with people, which added so much extra room of people being able to see. And so for the stage being on the opposite side of the stairwell, if there, if that is where like the see you real soon show happens and other little shows, you now have so much more real estate than you did before. So I think that was another one of those things. Once it's fully operational and working in the way it's supposed to, will be a very nice touch. Uh, but again, I, we, we didn't see anything on it. So that's just my speculation. Okay. Well, I am looking forward to sailing on the wish. I, I don't have any plans yet, but I really want to. So it'll be there for a long time. Crossed. Yeah, it will be. It will be. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. So, Craig, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? As always, you can find me on all the different shows I'm on. You can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. And you can email me, Craig at DisneyInfo.com. What about you, Michael? Well, you can connect with me on Twitter at um, mbowling121, Facebook at michaelbowling-connecting with Walt, Instagram at michaelbowling-the-diz, and you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at connectingwalt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes on the link Craig includes in our show notes or disunplugged.com. And look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Pandora, and Amazon podcasts, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings when possible. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother, Roy. Roy.